Good morning. My name is Kelly Womack. I'm the pastor of leadership development here at Christ Community, and it is a joy and honor always to stand before you and to bring God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, we pause to ask for your Holy Spirit's presence and power in this place. Lord, as we read your word, we pray that it would be transforming to our lives and our hearts. May we be different people when we leave here today because of what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the title of today's message is Imagine Living Sent. Imagine Living Sent. So to begin our message today, I have a question for you. How many of you feel like you have been sent by God? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. I hope by the end of the service here that maybe it will make more sense to you and maybe you'll be able to raise your hand. Okay. All right. Second thing I want you to do with me this morning is how many of you memorized John 3.16 as a child or a teenager or something like that? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. We're going to say that together. Okay. Are you with me? And I know we might have memorized different versions, but that's okay. We'll get through it. All right. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, that was good. Really good. You remembered. Isn't it amazing what we learn as a child we remember as adults? Okay, now how many of you know the next verse, John three seventeen? Raise your hand. Not quite as many. Okay, so that verse says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, through his Son, the world would be saved. Okay, so that's not a verse we often memorize with that other, but it's just as important. And what I want you to see in those two verses is those words gave and sent. That God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his one and only son. And then in 17 it says he didn't send him into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. That word sin there is to actually cause to go, which we, we hear that a lot, or to actually propel out, to thrust out, if you will. Well, in John 20, we talk about this word sent again. And it starts like this. On the evening of that first day of the week, now this is the week following the resurrection, okay? So on the evening of that first day, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
Okay, I want us to look at the scripture for just a minute here. See several things that are going on. First of all, Jesus has come and done exactly what he said he would do. And where are the disciples? They're behind locked doors, afraid. Okay? They don't know what to do at this point. They're scared. They're scared that they're going to be crucified just like Jesus was. And so they go run and hide and find a safe space for them all to gather. And they gather behind locked doors. And who appears to them but Jesus himself? And Jesus didn't come in the room and say, What are you people doing? You're cowards. Why aren't you out there? Why are you in here with the doors locked? He didn't say that, did he? He never even mentioned that. He said, peace be with you. And then he continues, and he shows his hands and his side to them to show them proof that he was indeed Jesus. And then he repeats himself, peace be with you again. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, instead of pointing out that they were cowards or that they were totally inadequate, he calls them out. He says, I'm sending you out. He says, I'm sending you out as emissaries. It's okay that you're behind these closed doors and you're afraid. I'm sending you out. But not by yourself, because the next part is really important. He says, it says, the word says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Big stuff. Well, John three sixteen and 17, in this set of scripture here, along with about 49 others in the New Testament, talk about God being a sending God. That he sent his one and only son. See, he didn't choose to hold Jesus himself and say, he's mine, sorry, you people are just going to have to die. He sent, he gave because he loved the world, right? So our God is a sending God. I want us to look at Acts 13 now and read some scriptures there. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, let's pause for just a second. Did you catch that? Who's talking here? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there to Cyprus. So the second thing I want you to see this morning is not only is our God ascending God, but our church, the big C church, the big church, all the churches, should be sending churches. And I want to tell you this morning that I am so grateful to be a part of Christ Community Church because I truly believe that we are ascending church. We are an equipping and sending church. Derek just talked about that a minute ago. We take that very seriously to be an equipping and sending church. 
I want to go back to the scripture there in Acts 13, where it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That word call there, I want to point out because I love the definition of the word kaleo in the Greek. It says to urgently invite someone to accept responsibilities for a particular task, implying a new relationship to the one who does the calling. Okay, now that's long, so I'm going to repeat it one more time. To urgently invite someone to accept responsibilities for a particular task, implying a new relationship to the one who does the calling. You see, when we invite Jesus into our heart, we have relationship with him. When he calls us, when he urgently invites us to do a particular task, whatever that is, our relationship with him changes. We get more and more into what God wants us to do, and we continue to seek him and follow him. So that's what the Holy Spirit did, and it's set apart for me these to the work I have called them to, to the people that I have set apart for a particular task because I have a new relationship with them. And in this particular instance, it's Barnabas and Saul. Now, if you've read any part of the New Testament, you've seen Barnabas and Saul's name quite a bit. They were kind of, they were kind of big league, you know? So the Holy Spirit is saying, send them out. And we're going to talk about what that means in just a few minutes. What I want to talk to you about is that our church is a sending and equipping church. Because we talk about that a lot. I'm not sure you all know exactly what we're talking about. And so I want to break down a few things for you. Some, maybe some exciting news for you that you may not know about. Maybe some of you do. Um, but I want to talk to you about what God is currently doing at Christ Community. The first thing I want to share with you is that we are starting a summer internship program this summer for students between the ages of 18 and 24. We've never done this before, and so this is a new thing, and I've got a picture of all of them. I want to show you. These are 10 students. These summer interns will be here with us from the end of May through the end of July, and they're going to be doing a number of things. And you see on the screen, we've got some that will work with worship, student ministry, kingdom kids, live ministry, communications, serve ministry, and then general church or leadership development. And so they're going to be all over the place doing things. All of them will be exposed to pastoral care. All of them will get to go to the hospital at one point in time. All of them will be a part of our teaching team at one point of time. They will all be serving alongside of our staff. And it's not that our staff has anything special. We're just willing to share what we do. So we're not having them here just to get our coffee. You know, that's what interns do, right? I promise you. And if you're one of the interns, I know some of you are here today, you're not just going to get our coffee, okay? You may do that occasionally. No, we won't have them do that. We really want them to be a part of a healthy church, a healthy church, see a healthy staff, and to really explore what God is doing in their lives. I want to share with you a couple of things about these students. Out of the ten... Eight came out of our student ministry, our Pursue student ministry. And you may be saying, well, that's not a big deal. That, oh, that's a big deal. Here's why. That means we have lots of students coming out of our student ministry who are willing to give of their time to serve the Lord. Because let me tell you something. We are paying them a stipend. Those of you who are interns, shut your ears. But it's about this big, okay? 
They could be working at Chick-fil-A and other places this summer making a lot more money than what they're going to make here. They are choosing to be here. And that, to me, says that our student ministry is doing something right, that we would have eight out of these ten come out of that ministry and say, I want to do this. I want to explore this call. Out of the ten, two are considering planting churches. Now, these are 18 to 24-year-olds. Two are considering planting churches. One wants to create an urban rehab program. One wants to be a teacher. One a pediatrician. And the others are seriously exploring a call into ministry, youth ministry, pastoral ministry, whatever that looks like for them. So they're not all, we're not doing this all to to send out preachers after this is all done. We're doing this as a kingdom investment to say, hey, come spend the summer with us so that wherever you go, Whatever God's called you to, you can be better equipped as you go out. So the summer internship is a big deal. I'm so excited about this. And you're going to get to see them this summer in action. The second thing I want to tell you about that you may not know about is that we have had 10 people between the months of September and December come into our offices and say they, are, they, they feel a stirring from the Lord. Some sort. Don't know what that looks like. Maybe beginning a ministry. Maybe planting a church. Maybe becoming ordained. These are men and women between the ages of 21 and 60. Ten people within a four-month period of time came in my office and said, I have no idea what's going on, but God is stirring in me. Now, why do I share with you that? Because I want you to know that God is at work, first of all. He is stirring Secondly, I want you to know that I think we have a church who wants to equip and send people out. It's not just about gathering here. I am so thankful we have a beautiful building. We're building another building to do this. This is a wonderful place to gather, but if we don't go out after we gather, this is useless. Absolutely useless. The third thing is we have a church planter resident who is praying He's learning, he's reading, he's growing, and he desires to be sent to plant a church somewhere in Columbus or in the surrounding area. So you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, I'm not a student or an intern, and I'm not a church planter resident, nor do I want to be, and I'm not one of those ten people that feel that stirring, like, I don't know what God's calling me to do. Maybe you're sitting there going, where do, I, where do I fit into this? Well, because we're an equipping and sending church, we feel very, um, we take it seriously what we do through community groups, through life school, which is our discipleship on Sunday night. And we want to offer more and more of that to you, those of you who go into the workplace or in the schools every day. We want to have more discipleship and the ability to do so. And that brings us to our third point. See, our God is ascending God. We've seen that in the scripture. Our church is ascending church. And thirdly, we are all sent. Now remember earlier I asked you to raise your hand if you felt sent by God. And I'll be honest with you, there were more people in the first service than in the second. But what you need to hear is that we are all sent. 
If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are sent. You are sent. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 say this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave who? Us, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He has committed to who? Us, the message of reconciliation. Us. Jews, Gentiles alike, who have decided to follow Christ, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And I love what it says in verse 20 or so. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us. That word ambassadors, think about that. What, what, is, what makes an ambassador? Well, I think of an ambassador to a country I think of someone who really knows who sent them. That person is very welcoming to visitors. And that person wants to share about from where he sent. An ambassador is a loyal person to the sender. We are no different as Christ ambassadors. We are to know who sent us. And we're to know about him. We are to be able to share him. We are to invite visitors to know more about him. As though God were making his appeal through us. That part of the verse just blows me away. That God would make his appeal to the world through us. It never fails to amaze me when I think about it that God could have done all of this by himself. God could come to each and every person he does and save the world. But you know what? He chooses to use each of us as ambassadors to make an appeal to those that we come in contact with. And you may be thinking, well, you know, that's what the preachers are supposed to do. We're all sent. If we've all been committed the message of reconciliation, then we are all sent out to share about Jesus. That means as you go, and we're going to see in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and many of you probably know this verse as well. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I memorized that verse in the King James. And I remember it saying, go ye therefore. How many remember the ye? Do you know what the ye means? You. Me. 
Go ye therefore. Now, I don't think that excludes anyone. When I used to teach gifted to serve, I used to say, we're all the ye, you know? So if you're a ye, then you are supposed to go. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. See, we're all sent. I'm reading a book currently by J.D. Greer. It's called Gaining by Losing. And if you're a reader and want to know more about what it, it means to be a sending church and what it means to be a person who's sent, highly recommend this, this book, Gaining by Losing, J.D. Greer. He says this, that you are either a missionary or a mission field. Drop the mic. I can walk away now. You are either a missionary or mission field. That means you are either called to go out and you're being sent out to wherever you go, as you go, or we need to come to you and tell you about Jesus. And that's okay too. But you're either one or the other. You're either a missionary or a mission field. There is no in-between. There's no person who just gets to come in here on Sunday and sit here and that's it. That's not what God has called us to. He also writes, every Christian has at least two major callings. The call to use your vocation for the glory of God and the blessing of others. And the second one is to make disciples. You say, well, how do you do that? Because, you know, I don't want to be that freak at work, that fanatic that mentions Jesus. Well, you know what? I think you can share Jesus Christ without ever mentioning his name. You know how we do that? We're kind. We stick up for the person who gets bullied at school. We just love people. Because you know what? That is not what the world does. And so when we just do that, we stand out. And those people come to us and they say, hey, you're different. But what is it about you? And then you get to share. But you know what? There are a lot of places. Sometimes our workplaces limit us to what we can say, right? I know that. I'm not telling you to, you know, get in trouble with your job. But I am telling you, take the opportunities you have to show God's love. And then there are a lot of places where there are no limits. I'll be honest with you. About six to eight months ago, I started thinking about the non-Christians that I was around, and I'll just be honest with you, that number looked a lot like this. Because I work at the church, and I love my job. I love being an equipper. I love equipping people to go and do the work of the ministry. Absolutely love my job. The Holy Spirit convicted me and said, who are the non-Christians in your life? Who are those people that don't know Jesus? And I'm like, well, I mean, occasionally we have some people that come to church that don't know Jesus. He said, that's not good enough. And so I joined a gym. Well, I really needed to join a gym, first of all. But secondly, it's given me an opportunity to meet people that are not in church. And, and I've had such a good time meeting people and just showing the love of Christ. I've not actually said Jesus yet, not one time. But people are beginning to notice things. And I've had people go, what do you do? You know, where do you work? You have an opportunity like that too. 
In the same book, J.D. Greer points out that it's not going to be in the church where the most impact is made in the future. It's going to be with those of you who are able to get out on that front line. Because you are able to talk to people that will never set foot in this building. You have an opportunity to be Jesus to a lot more people if you are willing to stand firm in your faith and lead others to Jesus. The fourth point is this. If we know that our God is ascending God and our church is ascending church, and if you really truly believe that you are sent, then you've also got to know that living a sent life, living sent, requires the Holy Spirit and sacrifice. If we go back to those verses that we read earlier in John 20, remember when Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because see, I... I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think I have it in me to do what you're saying. I'm kind of like those disciples. You know, I want to be locked up in a safe room and not have to worry about all that stuff. It takes, it takes guts to share Jesus. But more than that, it requires the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus doesn't send you out and say, good luck in your own power. Go do what I've called you to do. He says, I'm breathing on you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when he says this, this is pre-Pentecost. But he knew that those disciples had to have the Holy Spirit or they wouldn't be able to do what he called them to do. You know, every time I come out here, I think, Lord, if you don't show up, if I don't have your spirit, I got nothing. Truly, nothing. Today is a great example of that. I have, I'm working on four hours of sleep now. Had a busy, busy weekend. And three different people this morning who don't know each other, who prayed over me, prayed that God's power would be strong in my weakness. You see, we don't have to muster up anything to do what God's called us to do. We just have to receive the Holy Spirit and say, only, only through you and in you can I do what you've called me to do. There is no other way. We don't want it any other way. So we absolutely have to have the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, it says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after they had fasted and prayed, they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. See, that sending that we're doing, that God wants us to do, requires the Holy Spirit. And it also requires a sacrifice. You see, in John 20, those disciples had to be willing to give up their security, their reputation, their comfort. It was really nice being in that locked room together. 
It's really nice being in this room together. Am I right? And don't get me wrong, I love this. The church is necessary. What we do on Sunday mornings is necessary, but if it ends here, we've done nothing. Because what happens here on Sunday morning is to enable us, equip us, empower us to go out there. As you go, go ye, go ye. Make disciples of the nations. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a business person, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. You're like, eh, what does that mean for me? Well, let me tell you something. Your children are your mission field. That goes for any parent in here. You don't have to be a stay-at-home mom. If you're a parent, your children are your mission field. You are imploring them on behalf of Jesus. We, he's making his appeal through us. Are we Jesus to people? Are we willing to sacrifice our reputation? Are we willing to be that person at school who stands up for the one that's been bullied, even though we know people aren't going to like us, they're going to think we're weird? Are we willing to be that business person who sees something that's unethical and says, that's wrong, even though we know it may cost us some friends? What kind of sacrifice are we willing to make to really give the appeal that Jesus has given us to give on his behalf? See, we're not sacrificing just to say we've sacrificed. We're sacrificing because there is a lost world out there who needs to know Jesus. And, you know, I pray we have more and more people come into this place. But that's not the point. The point is that we come here, we get what we need, we get equipped, and we're sent out. Remember I told you the definition of sent early on? We're thrusting you out of here. We're throwing you out. Go to somebody tomorrow and say, I throw it on our church yesterday. That's what we're doing. That is the whole point. Imagine if we all live sent. You know, we also have to sacrifice as a church, not just as individuals. You know, I'm thinking about that early church at Antioch. And the Holy Spirit said, remember the word says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart these two guys. And he named Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul, remember the big leagues. And I'm sure the others at Antioch were going, hey, don't send them. Man, they're, they're, they're the big league. Can't you send these two over here? Sometimes we're called as a church to send out our best. These interns, I've just spent a little bit of time with them, but I love them already. But you know what? I don't want them to be here for the rest of their lives. I want them to be sent out. I want them to do what God's called them to do. I want them to feel equipped to do it. Imagine if we all live sent. 
I'm going to go back to this book, Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer. He says, do you want to develop a sending culture in your church? Teach your people to delight in the glorious riches of what Christ has done on their behalf. Marvel in it every week. Ask God to open the eyes of their hearts to see how high, how deep, how wide, and how long the love of God is for them. Ask God to let them feel that love. Let it simmer in them until it sets their hearts on fire. And then I promise you, they'll figure out a way to reach their world. I thought that quote was so interesting when I read it because just two months ago, I was able to preach on John, uh, I'm sorry, on Ephesians 3.20, which talks about this love that is higher and deeper and longer and wider and that we would know that love that surpasses all understanding, that all-encompassing love. And what J.D. Greer is saying here and what the Word is saying here is that it's that kind of love that's going to get us to do what he's called us to do. See, Paul knew of this compelling love. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love should compel us. What Christ has done on the cross for us should make us want to share it with other people. See, what Christ has done for us is not meant for us to just hold here and be real happy about. If I truly believe that God loved me enough to send his only son to die for me, that I would somehow be able to have a relationship with him and eternal life with him if I truly believe that he did that for me. Then I have to share that with others. It's this compelling force that says, I can't not. I have to. How greedy are we to keep that to ourselves? Do we really want this world to go to hell because that's what's going to happen if we are not willing to sacrifice and be sent people. If we're not willing to be that person to talk to our coworker and say, hey, how are you today? You doing okay? You want to talk? And you start a relationship with them. And they begin to see something different in you. That's living scent. That's the compelling love of Christ to thrust us out. To say, come and get what you need here, but go out and share it with others. This week, I, was, I preached a funeral this week. And it reminded me of something that I want to ask you today. And that is this. At your funeral, and I don't mean to be morbid, but we're all going to die, right? We know that, right? You're all going to die. At your funeral, are the people that come to your funeral, your extended family, your coworkers, maybe people you worked out at the gym with, 
people that got to know you, are they going to be surprised at your funeral when someone calls you a Christian? Are they going to say, wow, I didn't didn't know that person was a Christian. They never shared Christ with me. They never talked about Jesus. We don't want our funerals to be the first time people know that we were followers of Christ. We need to live a sent life. We need to live for him. You know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I I don't know that I can share Christ because I don't know that I know him. Today is the day. Today you can make a decision to follow Jesus. This Jesus that we've talked about died for you. To save you from your sins. So that you could have a relationship with God and spend eternal life with him. I'm going to call the communion team forward and the prayer team if you'll go ahead and make your way. I've got some reflection questions for us as they come forward and begin to be at the altars and get communion ready. The reflection questions I have for you this morning are what skills, what vocation has God given you by which you can bless the world? And then where and how can you do that most strategically to advance the mission of God? Because see, God's given us certain things that we can do, certain things that we like, certain interests that we have. This message today simply says, you don't have to be a a pastor or a preacher. In fact, not everybody's going to be. Wherever you are, whatever God has gifted you in, given you skills in, you do that. But know that you are strategically placed to advance the gospel and the kingdom of God. Wherever that is. So as you go tomorrow, you're not going to be sitting here. You're not going to be in this church tomorrow. You're going to be in your place, the place that God has you for now. Will you choose to live your life sent? Will you rely on the Holy Spirit's power? to embolden you and empower you to share the gospel of Jesus with those that you are around. Will we live sent? You know, what a great day to celebrate the life of Jesus and what he did for us. The reminder of what we were just talking about because it's his compelling Love, it's what he did for us that compels us to do what he's called us to do. And on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so today, we have the opportunity to have Holy Communion. And as you come forward for Holy Communion, I also want you to think of how 
Holy Communion and the love of Christ, does it compel you? Does this act that Jesus did on your behalf compel you to live a life sent? To live a life that will sacrifice for others because they need to know this same Jesus. Will you stand with me? Lord God, I ask that you would do what only you can do, that your Holy Spirit would be present, that you would work in the lives of everyone here. Lord, as we celebrate communion, as we remember what you did for us on our behalf, we did not deserve it. But out of your great love for us, you died for us. And as we remember that today, Lord, I pray that we also remember that you sent us. You are sending us. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to live sent lives. May we be found faithful to do so. In Jesus' name.